welcome back to the Meet St. Louis podcast, the show where we take you behind the scenes of your favorite restaurants, breweries, and small businesses. I'm your host, Alexis Zotos with KMOV. You know, sometimes our favorite places in St. Louis come from a very small and oftentimes random idea. For Jessie Mueller, it was a craving for coffee while she was picking up trash in the Grove. She was a teacher who was studying social work and she had no experience with a coffee shop, but she had a passion and a dream, a dream to create a space where everyone felt welcome. And that was the beginnings of Rise Coffee. Jessie sat down with us on the podcast to talk about the ups and downs over the years, the challenges learned and the moments that really made her hone in on her vision for what she wanted her coffee shop to be. And that included taking a step back and allowing one of her employees, Aaron Johnson, to take the lead. Under his ownership, the coffee shop expanded into a larger space and became a hit for breakfast. I say that the avocado toast and the biscuit are worth waking up for in the morning. But this spring, Jessie decided it was time to return. And now she is making an effort to return the space to the original dream she had for Rise. So let's hear about that and let's meet Jessie. Thanks for having me. First podcast. Yeah. Yeah. It's <laughs> awesome. Well, good. Well, let's walk it back to the beginning. Mm-hmm. I mean, how did Rise come to be? Yeah. So, uh, thinking through that. Um, <laughs> A loaded question. Uh, yeah. Um, so, I had actually just picked up an internship in the Grove through my Master's of Social Work program. Mm-hmm. Um, I was pursuing a degree in social work at SLU. And I was looking into more macro sort of community organizing type stuff. Um, And through that internship, one of the tasks for a certain day that myself and what became a really good friend of mine had was beautification. There you go. So we were out, you know, beautifying the neighborhood, which was basically picking up trash on like a Friday afternoon. And we were like, damn, I need a coffee, you know. And we were thinking through like, where would we get a coffee in 2012 in the Grove? And there was nowhere. I mean, we would have to get in the car and drive somewhere. So um, it just got my wheels turning. And I started thinking about if I were to create one, even though I had never worked in coffee (laughs) an entire day in my life, um, where would I put it? What would it be like? And why would we be here? And the Grove then, I mean, obviously now the Grove is just Mm -hmm. booming. And it has been booming for some time. But walk us through, what were some of the places that were down here at that time? I remember, um, well, Handlebar Mm -hmm. was an anchor for sure. Um, Gramophone. Mm -hmm. Urban Chestnut wasn't here yet. Um, I know Atomic Cowboy had like a small coffee program where Mm -hmm. you could pop in and grab something in the morning. But it wasn't a cafe. Um, But what originally drew me to the neighborhood is um, I'd moved to the city in like 2010. Okay. My husband and I moved to Lafayette Square mm-hmm. and um, I had had a, my first baby and I so was staying home with coffee. Correct. Yeah, I was in need of coffee <laughs> and I was in need of, I was, I was feeling really isolated. Mm-hmm. Um, I, he was about nine months old and that's about the time where I really started feeling like you know, I, I was staying, I was a stay-at-home mom and I was just really unsure of like what my next steps were. And I had taken a break from the degree 
prior to that, I was a teacher in Rockwood schools doing middle school English. Um, and so, I, yeah, I was just kind of struggling. I was honestly like I had postpartum depression pretty bad. I was feeling pretty lost and untethered. Um, and so we decided with that internship, like when I went back into the Grove, the reason I chose this neighborhood is because it's where I felt most alive. Mm. Um, you know, living in the city, if we would have a night out, we would come down here and just explore, right. you know? Um, and that, you know, that Grove sign lit up at night. It would just kind of feel like we have a sitter, you know, <laughs> we're out. <laughs> freedom. <laughs> yes. And, um, and yeah, so it just kind of became like a freedom spot for me, like a place where I could felt I belonged and I felt alive. And, and, um, after working in this internship for maybe four or five months, I started looking at properties in the grove to start a, to start rise. What did your your husband, your friends, what did they think when you're like, I think I'm going to start a coffee yeah, shop? It was so it was wild. Like my husband's always been wildly supportive of any endeavor. Mm -hmm. I mean, he's just like he's just the kind of guy that likes to take a cool risk, mm -hmm. you know? Um, but I had one friend in particular that I was I was afraid to tell everyone. Mm -hmm. I was like no one's going to understand this. They're going to think I've lost my mind. And I had one friend in particular, Kim Whitrip, who was my greatest cheerleader. And she saw my vision immediately, and she was like, no one will do this better than you. Mm. So you have to do it. You, you know, the Grove needs you there to create this space for people. Mm -hmm. um, and so that was like the person I needed at that time wow. to really encourage me. So yeah. you found this space, which we're actually in now, which was your original location. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, what was here at the time? So there was nothing. It was a shell. Um, it was for lease. So the owner of the building who lives down the street um, wanted to rent it out. Mm -hmm. But prior to that, he wanted to tear it down mm -hmm. to create a parking lot. Ugh. And so the parking lot, you know, obviously there's parking issues in the sure. Grove. And he kind of saw that as a retirement plan for himself to charge people to park or to sell the lot as a parking lot. And um, so we were a part of the process of saving this building um, which was really, you know, exciting. And then he, once I started talking to him about leasing, I was like, do you really want to deal with this building for, you know, the long term? Mm -hmm. Why don't you like let us buy it from you? So we figured out how to do that, which was a whole <laughs> thing in and of itself. But when you walked into the second floor of this building, it was a hole. I mean, you couldn't even like, you couldn't get from one space to the other without boards that you would like, wow. you know, try to, yeah, it was really frightening. Um, there was no sewer, you know, it was just a mess. So we were like on a year long path of restoring this building. Did you do a lot of it yourselves? Um, we hired a lot of it out. Um, I mean, in terms of planning it. Yeah. But sure. I wasn't here. <laughs> Didn't know I you... painted the walls. Oh, well, Let's put go. it that way. <laughs> I hung some lighting. <laughs> um, but yeah. So what was your vision at the time? Um, okay. You've got coffee shop in mind, but what did you really want this to be? Yeah. So for me, I wanted to create an inclusive space and keep the Grove weird. Right. I, I wanted to make sure that there was a, a location that was accessible to the changing, I guess, qualities that are happening here. Mm -hmm. And so um, I was really inspired at the time through my social work program. I've been reading some reading up on you know, Dr. Martin Luther King. And there was a quote by him that really sort of like led me to the name of Rise. Mm -hmm. But there was also this feeling of my own personal uplifting, you know, I needed to rise myself. I was I'd been feeling pretty low for a while. Um, and so it was a combination of personal and sort of 
macro ideals around how to how to raise up. What did that mean to you when you thought about it, you know, mm. in the details of, of how do you create an inclusive mm-hmm. coffee shop? How do you create something that people of all spectrums mm-hmm. of life, you know, not only can come into, but feel welcome in? Sure. Um, that's a huge challenge, I think, for a lot of people in St. Louis right now that own businesses. I think we want to create a quality product that people are inspired by, that people feel inspired in the spaces and that comes with a cost. It's expensive to produce locally made food mm-hmm. and, you know, single origin coffee and then also become an inclusive space for people that are struggling financially or mentally, you know? And so it took a lot of mistakes. I mean, I I I failed in in some ways and I and in other ways we were a huge success from the the get-go because it the space attracted the right people. And the message attracted the people that we wanted here. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, five years ago, almost to the, you know a week ago, uh, Michael Brown was killed, mm-hmm. um, and that really our response to that was really the defining moment I think of Rise and who we were going to become. Because a week before the shooting, a brick was thrown through our front window, mm. and he was a the person that did it was a guest of ours that had struggled for a long time with mental illness. And he had thrown a brick through a few other businesses in the neighborhood. And the response of some of the other businesses was very negative. Mm-hmm. And, you know, his picture was being shared around the, the internet and things mm-hmm. like that. Find this guy. And, and our response was like, compassion is the radicalism of our time. So Which we, is that? quote you have on the wall right Mm -hmm. and that that board was placed in lieu of the window oh is that where that came from yeah gotcha and that that board was painted we had that quote painted by a local artist joey who does a lot of the sign painting in the neighborhood and um and we started having conversations with our our guests around why that because a lot of people felt like they had to come to our defense Mm -hmm. you know like how could they do this to you you know right and And um, that wasn't sort of the way you took it right I kind of my response was like this is just a problem that is not going away in St. Louis anytime soon Mm -hmm. unless we change how we talk about it Mm -hmm. um and so yeah like let's respond with love and realize that there are deeper rooted issues in our city that have less to do with throwing a brick through the window and more to do with people being uneducated and homeless. And quite frankly, you know, we have a problem with racism in this city. Mm -hmm. And so how do we address that through love on both sides, you know? So you had this experience, you mentioned the Mm -hmm. week before Michael Brown was shot. So when that happened and obviously has transformed, I mean, it was a moment in time that has transformed our city. Still gives me chills, Um, yeah. How did you guys respond? What was your reaction? I had, I wasn't actually here at the time. I was working in Knoxville, um, and but St. Louis is where I'm from, so of course I was yeah. glued to the TV. Um, but what was your response here locally? We're in the Grove, yeah, um, not super close to Ferguson, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. we're all one region, and it obviously was an mm-hmm. impact that that hit our entire city. Yeah. So how did you guys respond in a way that? 
you felt you were doing something? You know, we had just started having these conversations a week before this Mm -hmm. happened. So it was almost like a natural next step for us to continue the conversation on. And we made a lot of mistakes in how we talked about it. You know, we, I think our original feelings about Michael Brown being shot um, and the subsequent events, you know, were that we wanted to be a part of the movement immediately and as quickly as possible. Um, And in doing so, we probably didn't um, explain that in the best way to our customers that didn't understand. Mm. Um, And so that was just like a huge learning process for me is how do you have these conversations with people um, who don't understand why entire neighborhoods are, you know, being gassed and, you know, fire and, you know, it was just wild. Would you say you felt you were losing some customers based on the way you were reacting? It was the first time I'd ever felt fear around being very vocal around my stance on something that it would affect me financially Mm -hmm. and that it it was a, a risk that I don't know if I could take, but if I don't take it, then I'm not being true to who I am. And that's, that was like a thing that I hadn't really experienced too much up until that point. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, it was, it was like, I have to say, so I have to be a voice for this. And so we became that. And we, we talked about it pretty openly um, in social media. We had you know, been interviewed um, about it. Someone took a photograph of the board in our window, the compassion mm-hmm. board that had been hung. And that was shared thousands of times, um, you know, on Twitter and, and, and published, I think it even made it to the New York times. I mean, Mm. it was crazy. So it was, it was just one of those wild experiences that defined us ultimately. Well, and and it is interesting that you bring up that business aspect and that this is your livelihood. Mm -hmm. And there are people who, whatever the stance is on whatever it issue is, um, sometimes feel they can't speak up um, because, Hey, I don't want to upset too many people, but it sounds like you guys kind of drove coffee just lends itself to this. I mean, (laughs) it was like, okay, we have our opening. How do we, you know, like now is the time Mm -hmm. strike, you know? And I think I have a lot of friends that are in in positions within St. Louis that they can't, you know, they can't have that voice. So they support rise and it's their way of having their voice, Mm -hmm. you know? And especially during that time, they were like, I can't exactly talk about this openly right now, but I can come here and support you. So how did that time then sort of define how you then continued to run the shop in a Mm -hmm. way that you felt was Mm -hmm. making a difference and not just serving coffee? So that's when we introduced the Coffee for the People program. Yeah, tell people about that. Yeah, so coffee Coffee for the People is a way to pay it forward. Um, we basically have um, the ability to you can purchase coffees or a, a meal um, at our point of sale, and we'll give you a little, uh, you know, piece of I guess how the, do you, the, the sleeve, sleeve, the coffee <laughs> sleeve, and you can fill that sleeve out and post it on a bulletin board. Um, and then we have our guests, our our customers come in every day and use that board. From this neighborhood. Oh, absolutely. I mean, they're regulars of ours and they could never access our cafe without that board. And and it's it's a lot of people that rely on it. Um, And there's we just started introducing meals. Mm -hmm. Um, So I just came back in March and that's when I was like, why are we using 
food needs to be up here. I mean, we, so it's, it's unbelievable. It's full. I mean, when you first put that board up and saw someone come up and pull yeah. off a sleeve, I mean, what, do you remember that moment? Yeah. I, I remember feeling like this is, this has the potential to change our entire message. Um, and if we do this right, um, we can, we can have an effect on our neighborhood that allows it to grow equitably mm-hmm. so that people can stay here and still eat and drink and come in and use the space the way I dreamt it would always be, you know, without having to buy a $5 latte. You know? Because I do think, you know, we've talked about, we've had a couple of guests on from the Grove, um, from other parts of Midtown and gentrification, obviously, is, sure. a, is a topic that comes up when we're talking about this area. And for someone who clearly wants to keep that portion of this neighborhood the way it's always been. Yeah. It has got to yeah. be tricky when you have $5 lattes. Yeah. You know, when you talk yeah. about You're that. You're a gentrifier. And, <laughs> and people don't yeah. maybe know about that board inside and, and kind of the efforts that are happening yeah. behind your doors. And that board right now is, you know, right now, since coming back, we'll talk about that, mm-hmm. you know, but that is just the tip of the iceberg of my vision for that space and what we can do with it Mm -hmm. so you know visually i think it's it it could be so much more um and so i have plans for it to grow so right so okay so we're we're here we're it's 2019 now you stepped away um Mm -hmm. after in what year uh 2015 2015 okay so like two years after i'd created it so what made you want to take a step back um i think it's twofold. I think for, you know, the first part of that is that I wanted a second child. Um, and I didn't really feel capable of running this business and being a mom, um, with, a, a small infant. Um, we also wanted to pursue adoption mm-hmm. and that process was really intense. Oh my gosh, I just, yeah. I, you know, I didn't know. I mean, I kind of knew, but I had no idea how much it would take out mm-hmm. of me and my husband. Um, and so that being said, I think too, I had put so much of myself into creating rise Mm -hmm. that I just needed to step away. And I had hired an incredible manager, Aaron, who had the same vision in terms of, um, you know, creating an equitable space for people. Um, and he just took it and he grew it and he molded it into a vision that I feel uh, was the exact way it needed to go in terms of growing the food program, expanding the space, but also the team. Mm -hmm. I mean, he hired half our team is from the neighborhood. Mm -hmm. You know, these were young kids who used to come in and get coffees off of our free coffee board. And then he trained them into these experienced baristas who are now like managing and leading shifts. It's just unbelievable to me that that happened. It really demonstrates yeah. the impact that a small business can yeah. have um, yeah. if they take the time to do it. Hiring locally within its... Yeah, I mean, it, that's the number one combat against gentrification is getting people in your door, training them, and then helping them afford to live here. Mm-hmm. That's, for me, I mean, it's unbelievable that he was able to... Aaron was able to train them up like that. So during this time, this is also when the space moved yeah. next door. Yeah. So you guys were originally in this space, and now you're right next door. Yeah. Um, and that space, what was that space before? So that space was um, 
it was harboring quite a few uh, organs. <laughs> okay. <laughs> there, it had like a hundred organs in it. Like it's like oh pe- weird. It, yeah. Um, Not like the ones inside of our body. Sorry, I'm music. sorry. Music <laughs> organs. I mean, I think that would turn into a very sinister. Uh, <laughs> there were also story. some interesting people upstairs that were living there. Gotcha. But, um, we helped them actually find housing. Mm-hmm. Just as a side note, so they are. Um, but they had been living there for a while, and it wasn't a healthy situation for mm-hmm. anyone. And so we worked with them to sort of rehouse them. And then we bought the building from the man who lives across the street, and he's still in the neighborhood as well. Um, but he's a piano tuner. Gotcha. And Pass so the organs. He, he's not a, a, a creepy doctor, <laughs> if that's what you're wondering. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, so we got all the organs out and started renovating the space. And that was really, you know... I, I sort of let Aaron run with that. Mm-hmm. I tried to stay out of it as much as I could. Um, and he sort of created his own vision for that space. Yeah. Um, similar in the sense that there's an upstairs, a downstairs, yeah. there's a, a place for kids to be. Sure. Um, you had that in this original space as well. Yeah. Was that something that was important to you as a mom yeah. to sort of have this area that kids and moms <laughs> and families Well, my could original be? idea was like, I'm going to have my kid come to work with me. You know <laughs> what I mean? That doesn't ever happen. But right. I just thought, well, if I have a kid's space, then... And what it ended up becoming was a, a hub for the coolest moms of St. Louis <laughs> to bring their kids and talk about what's happening in our city and how can we stay here mm-hmm. once we have children instead of move out. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there became this whole movement around like, we are the mothers that stay in the city. And it was just amazing. And I was never intended to become that. And I imagine for you, who you, know, you mentioned that you kind of created this idea in a time when you were struggling as a mom. Mm-hmm. Did you feel like there there weren't enough people really kind of talking about those issues that moms. Oh man. I mean, we did. Yeah. I mean, the moms would come in just tired, you know, looking like they'd been up all night and I could be there and say, Hey, like this is a space for you and I'm there with you. And I like, I relate fully to this. Go upstairs. We'll bring you a coffee. Mm -hmm. And they just (laughs) needed that. They needed, but they needed it to be in a space that felt inspiring to Mm -hmm. them. And felt like it represented them. And so, you know, you could, you can be anything at Rise. That's what I always say, you know, just don't be an asshole. <laughs> that's a good motto to have. That's a really good motto. Sorry, that's just my that's thing. That's what it is. Um, and I just, and those moms needed this space pretty desperately, I think, mm-hmm. as well as I did. So so in the, in the new space, um, slightly larger footprint wise? Yeah, I would say double the space, double but the, the space. kitchen took up quite a bit of it. Sure. Um, yeah. So we needed, you know, there was nowhere to get breakfast in the Grove at that time. Right. And so I think that was sort of Aaron's thinking was that we needed a full breakfast program. And then he just knocked it out of the park. I mm-hmm. mean, he hired Scott Davis, who is now over at Osage, Cafe Osage, and just love him. Um, but he did such an amazing job with the menu from the start and so it's just continued on and grown and you were saying i mean people now i mean people used to seek this out as a great coffee place but Mm -hmm. now they're coming for the food food which i never intended i never thought that would be how rise grew Mm -hmm. and i'm really grateful for that because i think we capture so many more people now um who need a space like that but also our foodies you know Mm -hmm. what i you know so it's nice to make an impact through the food program, but also provide a space that inspires them to make a social impact, mm-hmm. you know? Absolutely. So this spring mm-hmm. you came back. Yeah. 
So walk me through that <laughs> yeah, that was process. crazy. Um, yeah, I think in the winter, uh, so Aaron approached me about, hey, like I'm more, I'm really feeling more drawn to roasting. And I've been getting more into the roasting side of the business. And I see that your son is two and a half now. <laughs> <laughs> and maybe you want to come back. And so we just started having conversation after conversation about what that would look like. And this has definitely been um, one of the most uh, risky, scary endeavors of mine that He's I can... coming back? Yeah. More so than opening it yeah, in the first place. Yeah, I think so. Because, you know, you're walking into almost someone else's vision, mm -hmm. much like he did for... But he was already managing it, sure. you know, and he had already been building his own team. So I had to sort of come back in and... and reacclimate myself, not just a coffee, but now to running a kitchen and a bakery. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and learning about this entirely new team that I hadn't really been working with at all. Um, and you know, we've got like, the staff of like 25, 30 people and I'd never managed or that even considered <laughs> doing that, you know? And so this is the first restaurant I've ever run. <laughs> um, but, but it was yeah. also your first coffee shop you ever ran. Too. <laughs> correct. Correct. <laughs> and the, the team has just welcomed me with open arms. It's been like such a joy to work with them. And, um, he, it's a testament to the team that he created because they are fabulous and they're mm -hmm. so passionate about rise. And so now he's roasting right here in the yeah. neighborhood. Yeah. He's roasting at first crack right now. Um, and I think, you know, they have plans, botanical roasters, mm -hmm. they have plans to sort of create their own roastery and facility at some point, whether that be on site, mm -hmm. um, or somewhere in the neighborhood. Aaron is a resident in the neighborhood as well. So he's really passionate about the community. Um, and so, yeah, we, they are a preferred roaster. We buy all our coffee, but then we also have some guest roasters. We just picked up Mudhouse's new line, um, Momo's. We have Blueprint. Mm -hmm. We've had Sump. So we try to kind of have a guest spot for them as well. As someone who didn't know anything about opening yeah. a coffee shop, yeah. was that a big part of that learning curve was figuring mm -hmm. out which coffees, yeah. how do we even do this? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I went to like Portland, Oregon, you know, to learn <laughs> coffee for wow. a couple of weeks. And I, I, you know, I, I like really went for it. Mm -hmm. I got the bicycle and I stayed in the tiny house and that was five years ago. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, if I'm going to do coffee, I'm going to just really dive in. Mm -hmm. So we, so yeah. And it was the first time I'd ever left my son as well. So oh, it was, wow. you know, it was, it was challenging, but really, really important mm -hmm. for my growth. And, um, yeah. So when I came back, I kind of learned what other what the pros are doing. Mm -hmm. um, and so I had an idea of, and I knew, and you know, Blue, Mike from Blueprint and Scott from Sump and Aaron, I mean, everyone had just sort of helped me. And Goshen Coffee was another really pivotal one. Mm -hmm. They helped me quite a bit. Um, just kind of learn the trade and the craft and also like how to do this, mm -hmm. you know? So it was awesome. I had tons of support. Was that um, exciting to you? Because I feel like at the, you know, we, one of the things that we hear so much on this podcast mm -hmm. is that camaraderie, whether it's in the coffee yes. business, the brewery business here in St. Louis, and that doesn't happen everywhere. Yeah. I mean, someone could have easily seen you just as another competitor Absolutely. opening up. Yeah. Um, what do you think makes St. Louis special in that way that mm -hmm. there is this welcoming yeah. and, you know, teaching aspect? To our I mean, community? I think it's the reason that St. Louis will grow because, I mean, I remember, 
I, I approached Casey at the mud house and mm-hmm. I was like, I think I want to do a coffee shop in the Grove. She's like, give me your number. Let's meet. We went to Caldy's, mm-hmm. you know, and that's St. Louis. You know, it's like, how do we help you grow and how do we make St. Louis better? And I, I feel like this happens constantly here. Um, and I think it will be one of the key aspects of why St. Louis will become more than just a fly, you know, mm-hmm. a flyover or whatever. I, not that I want St. Louis to become the coolest place ever, because I, <laughs> I want like to be keep like, a little yeah, bit to ourselves. Correct. <laughs> I, no one needs to know. Yeah. <laughs> so. I feel that. Um, yeah. And then so coming back, have you do you feel like you're starting over in yeah. a way? Yeah. I mean, I feel like I'm trying at this. So right now I'm, I'm sort of rebranding Rise. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm trying to hone in on what I originally felt drawn to in creating it from the first place. And um, I've been working with some folks about like, what are my core values? And how can those core values really shine through the space? Um, one of my core values is environment. I mean, I am so drawn to beautiful spaces and um, so I'm sort of looking to remodel the coffee bar and the kitchen and, mm-hmm. and some of the outdoor space and things like that. Bring back a little of the old thunder that was the first rise. <laughs> well, and I think people will start, if yeah. they've been in, they might have seen that it's it's a different paint color now. Things yeah. are, the back space mm-hmm. is looking beautiful. Thank you. Um, is this something that you hope to kind of you're working on slowly? Mm-hmm. I mean, what are the what are the big visions? Yeah, so right now I'm having an architect drop some new plans, mm-hmm. and we are you know we're really looking to to evolve the space. Um, I I think that Rise has the potential to become even more of a community hub, um, and I want to grow it into something that we can start having events. Mm. Um, fundraisers, political, like things that are, you know, focused around um, change, but, but like not just coffee and food, we can be doing so much more. We can be having forums, you know what I mean? Like we need to be having more discussions in our neighborhood about the changes that are happening. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I want to kind of create the space with that in mind that however it changes, it would allow for more discussion Mm -hmm. around how St. Louis is evolving. Makes sense. Yeah. When you think about that in terms of bringing in, do you see that as maybe losing some customers that you've found I've, and then also fear. bringing in mm-hmm. other people? Yeah. It's a fear of mine. I, um, I think, yeah, I think that, that there's always going to be a, you know, anytime there's change, it's hard. Mm-hmm. And the first change that rise had was hard. But I also think people appreciate evolution and they appreciate it, that people care about their business and bringing updates to that business. And so maybe not everyone will like those updates, but I think for the most part, my customer base will see it as a positive. Well, and I think you've seen that you obviously feel the need to stick to your mm-hmm. values, whether it's creating that space in the coffee shop, whether it's Mm -hmm. taking a step back to focus on those other values and then coming back in, um, it seems like that intention can then be felt throughout your business. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. I, you know, for me, I like, I have this amazing team Mm -hmm. and I want them to be like, I want them to feel that their space that they work in is like the best possible space that they can provide 
a quality experience to our customers that make, so every day we get to make someone feel better. That's really what coffee is. I mean, people are just coming in and they're just trying to get through half the time. They're like, I just, I just need a coffee. I can't, can't I make can't it to my next get, I gotta go, I gotta work, you know? <laughs> and so that's our whole role is, you know, how do we make someone feel good? And I think if my team feels good in the space they're working in and they feel inspired by that, it will just blend into the overall feeling of the cafe. love hearing from you after each of these episodes. Come join the conversation on Instagram at Meet St. Louis Podcast. Tell us which have been your favorite episodes, who you're looking forward to meeting in the future on this show. We are always taking suggestions. And of course, don't forget to leave us a review on iTunes, give us a rating and help others discover the Meet St. Louis Podcast. This episode was produced and edited by JJ Bailey.